all have questions. Questions about faith, relationships, beliefs, politics, social issues, our planet, and God. But where do you go when you're done with cliches and starving for the conversation to ascend? What do you do when you're struggling to find connection within your community, within your church? Join us, Lauren, Danielle, and Jason, to connect, discuss relevant topics, and try to navigate living in the tension of everyday life as Jesus followers. This is The Outsiders Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of The Outsiders Podcast, a podcast where we talk about real-life stuff. We are so excited to be your hosts, uh, Danielle, Lauren, and Jason. But before we dive in, we just want to take a second to introduce ourselves to you guys so you know a little bit about us. (laughs) First off, I'm Danielle. I am an operating room nurse and currently in grad school working on my doctorate in nursing education and lifestyle medicine. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Whoop, whoop and uh, moved here to Dayton, Ohio for school about five years ago. It was never my plan to stay, uh, but I met and got married to my husband, Patrick, and this is where we have decided to start the first chapter of our lives. Um, A little about things I like. I love all things outdoors and on the water. I am a huge hockey nut and a loyal Toronto sports teams fan. Um, I love music, listening to it, playing it, going to concerts with my friends, and that's just some of the stuff I like. I'm Lauren, and I'm a public relations and marketing director in higher education. I was born in the Midwest and moved around a lot. I attended college in Tennessee and worked there for four years, even after graduation. And then four years ago, I moved to Ohio for a job, and I'm still here. (laughs) Music is a love language of mine, so like Danielle, I'm always listening to it. I collect vinyl, and I especially love going to concerts even though my life has seriously been lacking this year um, because I haven't gone this long without going to a live show. Um, But I enjoy spending time outside, though I'm not outdoorsy. I love reading books, watching a lot of TV, and listening to crime podcasts. Okay, so this is... I'm not outdoorsy, but you like spending time outside? No, I'm... Yeah. What does that mean? Like, So then you're outdoorsy. No, I... So what does outdoorsy mean? People who like to go camping. Oh. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. You I'm can one find of those people, me. so let's not. Oh, okay, okay. okay this <laughs> you is... can find me outside, but I will be going inside shortly <laughs> thereafter. So outdoorsy-ish. Okay, yeah. sweet. And my name is Jason, and I'm just a pastor in Ohio. And there you go. I also moved here four years ago, which is kind of interesting. Do-do-do-do. We're all transplants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that you know a bit about each of us, we want to explain just a bit about how we all met and this idea to start a a podcast came to be. So Lauren and I first met when we ended up being housemates uh, back in 2016 when she first moved to Ohio. I was a nursing student at Kettering College and Lauren was working in the marketing department at the college. We became friends pretty quickly and both got involved with ministry at our church. We were on the planning and leadership team for one of our services, which Jason was actually a part of as well since he was on the pastoral staff at church. We were really excited at first, but it ended up being a frustrating experience for both of us, to say the least. Mm. Uh, We both eventually ended up leaving the team because we didn't feel like there was truly a place for our voices there. Fast forward a couple of years, we were given the opportunity to lead a new ministry for the young adult at church. It was a monthly service called Ascent. 
this finally gave us an outlet, an opportunity that we had hoped for for so long, where we could have really relevant conversations, uh, worship through intentional music, and create connection. But as great as that was, our place and ability to belong in our bigger church community was still very unclear. Then the perfect storm happened. COVID hit, forcing churches to go online. And shortly after, our young adult pastor was called to a new job and left, leaving us all feeling super disconnected. As Jason stepped in to try to help navigate the future of the young adult ministry in our church, we got to having these conversations with him, and we opened up about our experiences with church. We were disconnected and hurt by the way we'd been treated by our church, frustrated that our church didn't seem to be tackling a lot of the tough things happening in the world around us, and really just wanting to be a part of the solution and the way forward. If we were all feeling this way, we knew that there had to be others. So together, we decided to start a podcast. And here we are. Here we are. But here's the thing. Okay, so while, yes, I'm super pumped about starting this new podcast, my heart also just breaks, really, for everything that you just said. And, like, I've been a youth pastor for 16 years in three different states, and it's like what you just said is, like, just a tiny slice of an example of countless of people, right, out there. Countless of people. That's terrible. English. Some English professor right now is like cringing, like, ah, who is this guy? Right? But it's, anyway, so the whole point of this first podcast, this first episode is, I'm sorry, right? Because as a pastor, I suppose, or just like someone who aims to follow Jesus, like it just breaks my heart and I just feel, we feel like an apology is needed. Um, Like I said, like in 2004, that was the first time I, I started pastoring as a youth pastor. And basically ever since then, I kind of did the math. Um, approximately 1,700 students um, have been in my my youth ministries. And like, honestly, as I'm thinking about it over the course of, of these 16 years, like that represents countless of conversations and studies and prayers and lessons and worship thoughts and sermons and texts and emails and phone calls and stupid amounts of Taco Bell. I mean, ungodly amounts of Taco Bell um, <laughs> and Starbucks. Uh, and in like, cause I, I love, you know, millennials were, have always been like my students, right? Well, millennials and now Gen Z. Um, but some of the stats for the, for these generations leaving the church, like it's, it's out of control. Um, and I guess for me, like, why do I care about this? And why am I interested in young adult ministries and all of this stuff, like moving forward? Like you said, we want to be the answer, right, to this situation, or at least be a part of the solution. And so for me, um, yeah, I'm just done, dude, right? I, I'm just done watching hundreds of kids who love Jesus and love the church walk away after high school because they didn't or couldn't connect with a church, right? And, and yeah. there, there are a whole bunch of stats we could talk about, and it'd be like super boring, but you know, just some quick ones to kind of get us going with this conversation. Um, the most recent study that I found uh, was showing that 59% leave the church after high school. Um, like 59%, like that's out of control. And I actually think maybe for our faith tribe, it might be more, but I don't really have any hard evidence for that. Um, but usually it's because they feel it's just not relevant or, or there's hypocrisy, um, you know, something like that. Um, but even within millennials, um, this is something I was reading the other day, that 4%, like you got to just check this out. Just let this sink in for a second. 4% of millennials are Bible-based believers, that's not a lot of percent. Wait, so so in other words, 96% of an entire generation are like, yeah, no, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so 
the church needs to apologize. We have we've been we've been missing the mark. Um, I think it's interesting that twenty percent of Americans under the age of thirty believe church isn't important or worthwhile. Okay, so we've done a bad job of making it relevant and engaging and helpful. Um, and then finally, and this also I find just amazing, is that thirty five percent have an anti 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 against the church. Okay, 35, wow, 35% have an anti-church stance. So in other words, they believe that church does more harm than good. Yikes. And honestly, I think that's why we're here. Because mm-hmm. yeah. in some way or another, we've all experienced that. Right. And, and, and so it's like, okay, so we care about this. And it's like, okay, how can we move the conversation forward so that this is not the end of the story, yeah. right? We can make a difference. So First, let's, let's, let's take a hard pivot and, and add on, again, on behalf of churches or pastors or whatever, because uh, I'm sure there are people listening to our voices right now who have been hurt um, and they're angry and they have their own story full of hills and valleys and mountains and stuff. Um, and so I guess first, let's just say, like, on behalf of all churches, like, I'm sorry, we need to apologize. I'm sorry, as a church, for sidestepping basically all controversial issues and not actually talking about them. Yeah. I think your whole point about people feeling like church isn't relevant or hypocritical, like that is one of the huge reasons why people feel that way. Mm. Um, yeah. And we could talk a long time about that, but I just think, you know, we, we like to say we're going to talk about homosexuality or we're going to say we're going to talk about race relations or we're going to say we're going to talk about helping the poor, right? We like to like token mention stuff that people are like, oh yeah, that's good. But then we actually spend more time like in our offices studying stuff behind closed doors than actually out doing things. And so I think, yeah, it's time that we actually talk about things and not just, you know, a little bit here and there. So I apologize for that. We, we need to do a better job with that. The other thing I think is um, that we need to apologize for is I'm sorry for not being willing to adapt and change. It's like, how many churches do you go to? And like, if you, if you were there like 30 years ago and then you come back. <laughs> it's the same. It's like, it's the same paint. It's the same the car- carpet. Yeah, the carpet's the same. Um, and yeah. ever notice each church, like if you go back to a church from like yesteryear or whatever, there's a smell. Like uh, each church has a smell. Like and it's dusty just- hymnals or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just. We can bottle that, make it a candle or like a Ew. like a cologne for pastors. Actually, <laughs> Dusty hymnal. <laughs> I'm offended. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. But yes, no, you're right. Obviously, you wouldn't <laughs> use that cologne. Well, uh, clearly, clearly, yes. I'm, I smell much better than that. But yeah, but the point is, man, churches tend to have a hard time adapting and changing. And I'm sorry. And I think that's because as, as a general rule of thumb, a lot of churches are just really scared of getting it wrong. Yeah. You know, they're not willing to try to change because... What if it doesn't work? Or right. what if you get criticized for it? Right. No, 100%. Which is so interesting because I think that is sort of the point of being yeah. part of a church community, <laughs> know, right? right? That it's okay to get things wrong. It's okay to try new things um, because of the people that are a part of your congregation or your community, whatever you want to call it. Um so, th- yeah, thank you for saying I'm sorry to those things. I, I resonate a lot um, with that, just to share a little bit of my story. I've been involved in church from a very, very young age. Um, 
my parents were always very involved. And so that was just something that as a family that, that we did. Um, but about two years ago, I had just kind of come to the end of my rope. Um, like Danielle talked about a little earlier, um, being a part of a leadership team and even being told kind of from, from the pulpit that our church was going to give millennials the, the table and, and then feeling like the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath us whenever everything pivoted to focus more on young families, which makes sense because that was a large majority of the demographic that was our, um, that specific church service that we were planning. Um, but it just felt like another, oh, why don't you just sit over here or stay out in the wing until we're ready to call you? And as young adults, you know, in our mid twenties, our thirties of like, well, when is our time? Is it when we have kids? Because you see the data that our generation is leaving the church and then we're not coming back when we have kids. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a thing. Because a lot of churches think that, oh, well, once they have kids, then they'll come back. Mm -hmm. Which I think has been the case in the past. Sure, but I, I agree. think that the way that people are continuing to grow and the way that different, you know, generations are consuming church, it's not as important as, you know, maybe it was for previous generations. Right. So around that time, I was just really wrestling with is it okay for me to be disengaged? Cause I was still showing up to church, but I was sitting in the service just on my phone. Like nothing felt like it was being spoken directly to me. I wasn't inspired by the messages. Like the music was good, but I wasn't a part of that. Like I wanted to. And um, so I had written a blog post around that time and it was so amazing in a sad way, kind of like what you had talked about earlier, the amount of people that reached out to me in saying that they understood or that they felt the same way. And I really wrestled with how as a leader do I say that I'm disengaged and that I don't like church without being branded as something that I don't want to be mm -hmm. and realizing like this is incredibly important to put words to and to give a voice to those who have felt this way before. Um, and so I just kind of decided to give church a little bit of a break. Um, I decided not to feel obligated to show up um, in being responsible for, you know, being an inspiration for the younger kids to see someone like me in church and feeling like I needed to be a connector to the college students or the other young adults. Like it was so much for me that I just needed to take a step back. Um, and that's really when I started kind of pouring a little bit more of my time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears, whatever you want to call it, into our monthly service. Luckily, we had that. Um, but I also can acknowledge that we're lucky and blessed enough to have had something mm -hmm. like that where a lot of young adults don't have those resources or things to be able to put into. And so they just leave and there's nothing to kind of get them back. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, I kind of then was still like involved, but not. And like, like we had talked about earlier, um, 
this was kind of my baby. Um, but I still didn't feel like there was anything for me in the larger sense of church community. There were, you know, the friends I had and a couple, um, older adults that I had been connected to that we would go grab brunch or coffee or, or something like that. Um, but I didn't feel like there was anything that was for me and, um, really just feeling betrayed by, by the church. And this is kind of the first time in my life that I had felt this way of like, I'm single. This is a place for young families. I'm not a college student anymore. I'm getting closer to 30. Like, where do I fit in this place? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sermons are talked about like, well, when you get married or when you have kids, there's nothing talking about the life stage that I'm in and just feeling very isolated and, and lonely, um, in that part. Um, and so as we were kind of putting together like our value statements and what we wanted to create out of ascent, these, frustrations, these hurts, um, really became the foundation for what Ascent was. We wanted to make sure that we talked about these uncomfortable things in a way that, you know, in, in our service, right? Like we can only talk about it so much because it's not an open discussion. It's a service. Right. Which and, is so interesting because even in education, Sorry, I just have to butt in here because like in education, like if you go to your average classroom now, it, it's not necessarily the teacher up front and just rows upon rows of all the students sitting in a desk, all looking the same direction, right? Where the sage on the stage, if you will, right now, a lot of times in classrooms, they're organized by pods and clusters mm -hmm. where the students are looking at each other. But in churches, we, we don't do that. We still do the sage on the stage mm -hmm. concept as if that's the, the value. So anyway, yeah. So to your point within church settings and, 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 you know, areas of teaching, sure, you need to have that morsel where there is a thought presented, but there also needs to be that space for conversation. Yeah. And it was so important to have what we called something called recalibrate so yeah. that there was time for us to get into small groups and have questions and understanding that this was probably going to lead to further discussion afterwards. Like we wouldn't leave the church, you know, area until well after 10 or 11 because people are having discussions, they're catching up and, and really just having that sort of community aspect of things. Which I imagine, which is so beautiful, like that's still church. And um, I bet during those conversations, you, you're actually left with more questions than answers but that's, that's okay, right? That, that's still a part of the, the process and the growth and the movement. We always said we wanted to start conversations. We didn't yeah. want to finish them. We yeah. wanted to plant seeds. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you want to continue to grow, like there's never really a period there, right? right? There's just, it's like a continuation mm -hmm. of the sentence because there's more that there's needs to be more. added. Yeah. Um, so good. And, and so really what I've found in in really my time here in Ohio is just wanting church to be relevant, wanting to not just have a sermon series where you like talk about hard stuff, but for that to be a part of the infrastructure, mm. the values of who you are as a church organization, the way that you connect with, with one another, because 
that is how society is. Oh, for sure. Like it's woven into the fabric of the culture, yes. right? How you spend money and time and everything. It's not just lip service. Yeah. yeah. And if the church is, and as Christ followers, if we're supposed to be the salt of the earth and, and be bringing the good news to one another, like why wouldn't we actually be talking about the hard stuff yeah. instead of trying to maybe wrestle with that on your own, like, to me, the church should be a safe space to wrestle with that and um, to be the leaders in that. And mm -hmm. I, I haven't really seen that um, a, a lot. So it, yet. it for me, yet, yes, yes. Um, to kind of acknowledge, yes, the, I don't hate the church, but sometimes it's hard to want to stay. Mm -hmm whenever there's very, what feels like very little for like no one's convincing me yeah. enough sometimes mm -hmm. right to stay because of what is being offered right now and something that I really love about Lauren's story and we've talked about this before is like I think that there are legitimate reasons why people should leave church you know where it's mm. the healthiest option because of situations are hurt but I think that there's something that's really special and powerful about somebody who can point out something's flaws and not choose to walk away, mm. um, especially in something like church. I think that it can be easy to say, this isn't for me, I'm done. And again, I think that at times there is legitimacy to that, but I think that there's also something really powerful about someone like Lauren saying, this is broken and I don't necessarily know how to fix it and no one is letting me try to fix it, but I'm not going to stop trying. Right. Yeah, it's, thank you for that. Yeah, You're welcome. that's good. <laughs> It is, it's hard to be in that spot, but it's kind of, I don't know what else to do. And like you said, I do think that there are times where walking away makes the most sense and people should do that out of their safety, whether there's abuse or, or whatever the situation might be. Um, but I also see such a value of the high schoolers and, you know, the middle schoolers that are in um, our church community and the people that led me when I was mm. in that spot yeah. and how I missed out. Like I had my parents and other youth leaders, but there were no older, like 20 somethings, 30 somethings that were part of my church story. And I just see that as so powerful and impactful mm -hmm. to be able to learn from those people and to mentor. And so that's been something I felt so called and passionate about of still being here and calling things for what it is mm -hmm. um, and giving a voice to those to say like, I hear you. I hear that church has messed up, but what else can we do? Like maybe it is starting a conversation. Maybe it's actually doing something mm -hmm. because that needs, that needs to happen. Well, I think the first thing in, yeah, everything you said is, is beautiful and good, but I think the first thing is just choosing to commit to it, right? And then, no, of course, because the, the church is full of broken people, so of course it's broken. Mm -hmm. um, but together, right, we can improve and, and, and help it move forward uh, in the future. So, yeah, okay, so those are, thank you so much for speaking to those first two apologies. Um, I'm going to spit out two more quick apologies and, and hear what you have to say about that. So, I also think uh, a third apology that the church and, and I'll say pastors need to apologize for is we need to say, I'm sorry for not listening or caring about all people. Um, 
I think we all have our own stories or versions of going into a church or a ministry or somewhere where there's a lot of people and you instantly feel like you don't connect. You don't have anything in common with with those people. Um, because a lot of times, right, I don't think church people really mean it, but a lot of times there are clicks. Let's just own it. There are clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, middle school, we might get older, but the whole like lunch lunch cafeteria, right? You go in the cafeteria, you get your food and you're walking with your tray and you go into this huge room and like there's instant anxiety, right? Um, where am I going to sit? Yeah, that, that still happens, right? Especially in church. And so I think a lot of times in church and church people, we, we look at church as a community, but it, like we say it's a faith community where we're open to all people and that sort of thing, but really it, it's kind of a club, and a club that's full of clicks, and and that's wrong. And we need to do a better job with that. I agree, and I think sometimes it happens very unintentionally. You oh, know, sure. these things yeah. form because you're trying to accomplish something. So you put together teams, or you're trying to get specific perspectives, or you know, input from people, and then all of a sudden you've created these groups, and you don't even realize that you've done it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we need to be more aware of. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, Another apology, uh, we'll say the fourth one. We're only going to do five, just just so you know. Um, but the fourth apology, I think, is, um, <laughs> I, I heard this a lot, I still hear it actually, is where the church like blames culture for all the planet's problems, right? And I feel like I've heard this a lot. Like, wasn't Elvis, I, okay, I know I'm older than, than you guys, but I was not around during Elvis. But, like, but I feel like when Elvis was around, right, it's like, oh, he's, moving those hips too much, right? And all the rap music and all the, you know, whatever, right? We were always, all the drug culture, it's all because of Nirvana or whatever, right? It's like church is always looking to the world and then blaming it for all of the problems. And, you know, okay, maybe culture has, you know. A little bit. A little bit of, of some ownership. But I feel like we do that a lot instead of Instead of, because I feel like a lot of times the church responds and reacts to culture versus being ahead of culture and in, in leading it. Yes. The church is not proactive. Right. Proactive. That's a much more succinct way of saying that. Thank you. <laughs> when you talk about culture too, though, I think that the church also blames or attributes its actions to church, like culture within the church as to like it's stuff is this way because it's always been this way. And so we're not going to try to necessarily change, you know, kind of going back to that previous statement of the church is unwilling to change. Yeah, right. I think a lot of the time it's because this is what's worked and this is the way we've done it. And this is just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And just Mm -hmm. thinking about that and thinking about, you know, the previous apology about not listening or caring, I think that that ends up being a significant way of how people end up feeling hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, because people aren't willing to listen to them or to hear out, you know, their thoughts or their ideas. And um, that was kind of what my experience was as to, you know, what has led us here and for me to have the desire to talk about this and to try to, you know, be a part of the solution. Um, my whole life, I've, I went to church and it was always a really good experience. You know, obviously there were things that I didn't uh, enjoy all the time or agree with, but for the most part, I liked church. Church was good. Um, and my first experience of truly feeling hurt by church was here, you know, a couple of years ago on that leadership team that Lauren and I have both mentioned now a few times. <laughs> wasn't a great, wasn't a great time, guys. <laughs> um, you know, all of us on that team, 
had been picked for a reason. You know, we were either already involved in another ministry or we had expressed interest or a passion for being involved. Um, we wanted to be heard and we wanted to help make our church better. And like Lauren said, you know, they said, we're going to listen to you. We're going to care about you and we're going to represent you. And that felt really good. And we were so excited. Um, we thought it was going to be awesome and it wasn't. It ended up honestly being pretty terrible. Um, you know, as stuff progressed and the culture within our team started to get kind of unhealthy, nobody was willing to listen to that. Nobody was willing to accept any responsibility or to accept any blame or to say, maybe you're right or to validate any concerns. You know, I tried and eventually it got to the point where I broke. Like I came to a meeting and literally bawled my eyes out and people kind of just stared at me. And so I walked away. I walked away and it didn't matter. You know, um, I was given a book by someone that was walking with Jesus because that was supposed to help me clarify what I was going through. Um, wow. But that, that, was, that was kind of all that happened. And I was begging. I was a young adult begging to be involved in the church. And that just had me thinking. And I know I vocalized this to a couple people. If I'm here banging on the door, begging, let me be a part of something. What about the people who aren't? Right. You know, what Which about is the people? most people? Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm here saying me, pick me. My hands are both up in the air, yeah. but there's a lot of people who are sitting in the back pew, not sure even what step to take. And so I'm there thinking, how is this healthy? How is this something that we can sustain and how can we make people feel valued and like they're cared for and how can we change this culture to to a place where people actually feel belong like they belong right. so you know I spent the next couple of years lying really low I still showed up to church um but I wasn't super engaged and inside I was going through a very difficult spiritual journey. You know, when this all first began before the, the incident with the team, I would say that my spiritual life was probably the healthiest it, it had ever been. You know, me and God were like this. Well, you can't see my hands, but like yeah. fingers crossed, like we were homies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by the end, it was the worst it had ever been. Mm. Honestly, we were distant and... You know, I have had to walk with God <laughs> with a lot of grace and patience on his part because I know that I'm still recovering from what happened with feeling so hurt by a church community that said, we don't care if you walk away. You know, you're not important enough. You're not valuable enough. And it's easier for us to just say, well, she's going through her own stuff or, you know, we're not going to pay attention to that. We're just going to let it be how it is. And in a way, I'm thankful for what I went through because I think that it's what's gotten us all here to this table of wanting to try to find a solution so that this is not the way that other people have to experience church and so that we can try to help get it right for other people before they go through what I or Lauren or even Jason have had to go through or watch other people go through. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, going back to one of those earlier stats I said at the beginning where 35% of people feel they're anti-church because they think it does more harm than good. Like you, you have a, a slice of your life that personifies that, that thought. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, both of your stories, like, as I've already alluded to, like totally break my heart. And so just like personally, like, I am sorry for, for those for those experiences and, and those hurt feelings. Um, 
but ultimately like now what, right? Which kind of leads me to, to my last apology and we can talk about that. And that is to both of your points. Um, I feel like the church and, and, and pastors or just me personally need to apologize and say, we're sorry for not valuing and appreciating like volunteers and, and the people that we do have. Um, vol- people's time and, and their money and their resources, the care, their opinions, their you know, the choices that they want to make in their passions. Um, I think you guys probably know this by now, but I'm pretty, generally speaking, pretty hypersensitive to not burning out people um, because I think... <laughs> Which we appreciate. The ch- okay, we'll get... Um, <laughs> because I think the church is does an amazing job at burning out people. Right, because it's in the name of ministry and, and you're and doing it... the job's it, never over. Right, you're, yeah. you're doing it for Jesus. Um, but I think that that confuses with um, not having boundaries and like not spending time with your mm. family and all this other sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's interesting to be a part of this. And I, I do want to make a point that like we're not here... Um, just to rehash old wounds um, that there have been further conversations that both Danielle and I have had even with Jason about this with the team that we were on and some reconciliation has has started um, with that because it is important to acknowledge pain and hurt and whatnot, but also like, okay, what's the next step? And, yeah. and so to be able to first say, I'm sorry, and then whatever and that, now what, right. and now what, yeah. Which I, and I, I appreciate that. But also I feel like both of your stories, um, like how many people can, can connect with them, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has their, not everyone, but a lot of people have, have a version, I think of that. And so, um, so just thank you for being vulnerable and honest, which I think is a part of it, right? Yeah. Just being mm-hmm. willing to be vulnerable and honest, um, Anyway, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, so now what, right? So here we are. We're talking about some stuff. We're starting this new podcast. We're thinking about pain and hurt and frustration and people leaving when and, and people who aren't connected but who should be. So what are we going to do about it? Um, and I think just at the just for me, I'll just say this, that I actually think that's kind of what we're doing here with this podcast is we're, this is kind of a, an example of a beginning of a journey, um, right, like a faith community, like the beginning of a journey for a faith community where we can intentionally aim to ascend the conversation. Um, right, no more Christian cliches where we preach at or or right, but instead of like preaching at, it's more about partnering with and walking life with people. So I think we're this is the beginning, the first step of of the next. And not only ascending the conversation, but just having them. You know, I think that the three of us talking, even just like before today, as we brainstormed and and had to rehash some of these things, it's Mm -hmm. it's healing Mm -hmm. to be able to sit with people that are a safe place for you, that you Mm. trust, and to have these conversations. And while viewers don't know us and might not be able to see our faces, we want to be that safe place. I'm very good looking, just so everyone (laughs) knows. Yeah, that's all I got to know. But, you know, we do want to be that safe place. We want people to be able to have those healing conversations with us and through us. Um, and that may be able to help them have some of those conversations in their own life. Yeah, relating to whatever it may need to be. Um, but I just think we've seen our world totally change. Like mm. 2020 has kind of really sucked. What a time to be alive. The worst. What a time to be alive. <laughs> But I think it's really put into perspective 
how you need to be so present in your life mm -hmm. and with the people that are in your life. And so if that means acknowledging things that you tend to not do because it's uncomfortable or because you don't want to, you know, have conflict in your life. Sometimes you, it's not, I'm, I'm not saying like, go, you know, spill the bull, tea with everybody. Right. Yeah. And bulldoze, <laughs> <Go> start <fights. laughs> bulldoze down like yeah. people's doors to like have hard conversations. Sometimes that is necessary though. But I want to live my life in such an authentic way that it is part of my life to have, to be able to in, be introspective and see where maybe I have been the person to cause mm -hmm. hurt or yeah. pain mm -hmm. in someone's experience. Um, but to also be a place where people can come and have a conversation or just to say, Hey, I hear you, or I totally resonate with that thing that, that you said, because that's how I feel doing life with Jesus looks like. Yeah, mm. for sure. Cause it's risky, right? Like mm -hmm. all of this is risky, but I think what's interesting is it's risky to be honest and vulnerable but it's also risky, as you guys example, whatever the word would be, your stories are examples of. Um, <laughs> it's also a risk to to put the walls up and right to not trust. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, I think that we just want this podcast to help create a community where we process and talk about real life. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. always have to be the hard stuff. It can be the good stuff too. But we want this to be a place where we talk about it. Like you baseball. Know, there you go. Baseball. Or hockey. I don't know anything about baseball. But Sports. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> we'll no, talk about stuff. And I think it's important to note too, like our goal is not to try to replace anyone's church community, but yeah. rather to invite you into our conversations so that we can all feel connected. Because my guess is that a lot of you have thought about this stuff or have felt the way that we've felt at some point or another in your lives. Mm -hmm. So we hope that something you heard today struck a chord with you, and we invite you to continue joining us on this journey as we connect every Tuesday to hang out and just unpack life. That is all we have for today. So we thank you guys for listening to our very first podcast this week. Uh, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Join us next week. Uh, we're excited and nervous for part one of our Black Lives Matter conversation. You can go find us on Instagram for updates and all of our contact info will be in the show notes. Um, and also find us on your favorite podcast streaming app to listen. That is all for today. And this has been The Outsiders Podcast. Special thanks to our audio engineer and producer, Alan Clark. Music throughout this episode is by Common Man Music, and you can find his music on all major uh, music platforms. Also, a special thank you to Tori Kelly. As listeners, we'd like to hear from you. All of our contact information is located in the show notes. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm.